All right, there, there's a phrase that um, was used a lot when I was a kid. Um, I'm not sure if this phrase is still used today. Um, and it says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words shall never hurt me. And I think this phrase has um, the intention of building resilience, you know, uh, the intention of this phrase is to convince us that we cannot be or should not be hurt by unpleasant words. And um, I do understand the idea here. I, I really do. And in many ways, I, I support this argument. However, you know, just to be <laughs> a critical and to give you guys some food for thought, I also think this phrase kind of undermines the importance of words. This phrase kind of backs up the idea um, that physical injury is worse than psychological and or emotional injury. You know, it kind of backs up the idea that, that physical pain hurts more than psychological or emotional pain, you know? And, and it also kind of feeds into the fallacy that physical health is more important than mental health, right? Uh, sticks and stones hurt our body, but words, on the other hand, they have the potential of hurting our mind and our soul. And again, I'm probably being critical, <clears throat> but I think this gives us some, some uh, good food for thought and it gives for a good conversation. And here, here's what I think. Words are powerful, especially the words that we use to describe ourselves and our situation and the words that we use to describe ourselves in a uh, given situation. I dare to say, and I'm probably getting a little crazy here, but uh, I truly believe words are an influencing factor um, in the cognitive and psychosocial uh, development of children in the development and maintenance of psychopathology, such as depression and anxiety. It also, you know, words have a lot to do in the development and maintenance of relational problems. Words play an influential role in how we face stress and adversity and whether we overcome or we fall prey to the challenges we encounter in life. And I understand um, that some might argue that words are simply channels through which we express our inner experiences. <laughs> but I've learned that words also help shape those experiences. You know, it's kind of like a reciprocal relationship. Our words express what we have inside, but these words also have the power to affect and change what we have inside. Hey guys, welcome to Chronicles of a Psychology Professor. If I'm counting right, this should be, I think, I could be wrong, but this should be episode 15. From a neurological perspective, words can change our brains. The regions of the brain that process language are the same regions that control several of our organs and physiological processes. One word or, or one phrase can change our heartbeat. 
It can make our heartbeat faster. It can make our heartbeat slower. One word, one phrase can change the levels of glucose in our blood. This word or this phrase can change the flow of chemicals that support our immune system. One word or one phrase can also cause the release of chemicals associated with stress, such as cortisol, which we call the stress hormone. And words are also connected to our emotions. One word can alter um, the activity of the amygdala, you know, that part of the brain associated with fear. Imagine you're on a plane. You're relaxing. You're enjoying the flight. Suddenly, you hear the captain's voice announcing um, an inevitable, inevitable tragedy. You know, the engines are not working. We will crash into the ocean in a few minutes. Okay, imagine you're on that plane. You're just kicking back, relaxing, maybe eating some peanuts. And then you hear the captain's voice announcing a tragedy. The engines are not working. We will crash into the ocean in a few minutes. What do you think? What do you feel? How would you describe this experience? Then, a few minutes later, the captain again takes the microphone and says, the engines are working again. Everything is okay. We will soon arrive at our destination. The problem is solved. What do you think now? How do you feel? How would you describe this experience? Two totally different experiences, don't you think? What was the only difference between these experiences? The only difference, the only thing that changed uh, between these experiences were the captain's words and what these words caused within you. Here's another example. Why not? You go to the doctor and she sends you to get some labs. She calls you later in the day and tells you you have cancer. What do you think? What do you feel? The next day, the doctor calls you again. And in a very apologetic tone, uh, she tells you that she gave you the wrong results. You are okay. No cancer. You're actually very, very healthy. Again, two very different experiences. What changed between them? The doctor's words and what those words caused within you. So I guess I can say that words don't only express our inner experiences. They also affect and change our inner experiences. You know, it, it is said that uh, positive words affect our parietal lobe. <laughs> Probably killed that word. And that's a part of the brain associated with how we perceive ourselves. This part of the brain is associated with our self-image. And positive words affect this part of the brain. And I truly think that positive words can help uh, strengthen our self-confidence uh, and motivation. I think positive words uh, help us uh, believe in ourselves, you know, and in our ability and resources. And, and, and they can help us cope and cope with and overcome um, the challenges of life. They, they, they push us 
to be and give our best. I truly think positive words uh, play an important role in the development of our self-concept. And, and let me get <laughs> a little uh, developmental here. You know, an important milestone in our psychosocial development is the development of what we call our self-concept. And this happens during early and middle childhood. I'm not saying that it doesn't change throughout life. But my self-concept is, is the idea I have of who I am and what I am capable of. Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Am I lovable? Am I unlovable? Am I strong? Am I weak? Am I competent? Am I incompetent? Am I adequate? Am I inadequate? You know, uh, Am I capable or not? My self-concept, which pretty much en encompasses the answers uh, to all these questions and more, can follow me throughout my life and can have an impact on the quality of my life for better or for worse, right? So self-concept is important. And I know that we typically hear about the concept of self-esteem. This concept, uh, the concept of self-esteem became very popular, I think, in the 60s and the 70s. And, and most of us fell for that deceiving dichotomy of low self-esteem versus high self-esteem. You know, thinking that that low self-esteem is, is bad and the source of most problems, and, and that high self-esteem is good, right? However, it, it, it's not that simple. Yes, low self-esteem can result in a variety of vulnerabilities, such as anxiety, loneliness, depression, eating disorders. But high self-esteem also has its issues, you know, it's been found that gang leaders, for example, extreme ethnocentrists, did I say that right? Uh, terrorists and people in, in, in prison for engaging in violent crimes, they all tend to have high self-esteem. And, and uh, some authors have even suggested that Hitler had high self-esteem. So, so, you know, what about the idea that people, you know, with self-esteem or high self-esteem can be very obnoxious and very arrogant? And, and, and to add to the controversy here, um, there seems to be a fine line uh, between high self-esteem and narcissism, which is, in, in very simple terms, narcissism is an inflated sense of self, you know? And in one of my, my social psychology textbooks, the authors described narcissism as self-esteem's conceited sister. I, I find that very interesting, you know. I truly have never been a fan of self-esteem. I lean more towards the idea of self-acceptance. And I know the idea of self-acceptance is controversial in and of itself, especially because we're stuck in a fix-it, solve-it, change it mentality you know the idea you know of accepting myself just the way i am seems kind of absurd to many people yet there's so much healing power in the process of self-acceptance um most faith-based communities promote the promote you know this idea without knowing it uh, they promote this idea by teaching uh, uh the concept of god's unconditional love and millions of people give testimony 
of how this experience of unconditional love, you know, kind of produced positive changes in their life. Anyway, what is self-esteem? And where does it come from? Self-esteem basically is a person's evaluation of self or a person's sense of self-worth. And here's an important question. Where does my self-esteem come from? Well, it comes from my self-concept. Self-concept precedes self-esteem. I develop a sense of worth based on my self-concept, which is the idea that I have of myself. Okay, So you can't have self-esteem without self-concept, and you can't change self-esteem without changing self-concept. <laughs> Here's, a, I think, a more important question as we dig, or as I dig, a deeper hole here. Where does my self-concept come from? You know, the simple answer is that the development of the self-concept is strongly influenced um, by childhood experiences. And these childhood experiences are filled with words. Children are very vulnerable to words, especially to the words of their parents or their caregivers, especially to the words of those people they consider important. And these words, whether positive or negative, they shape or help shape the child's self-concept. You know, and these words have the potential of staying with a child throughout his or her life. I like to say it in the following, the following way. These external words become the child's internal dialogue or self-talk. You know, and it's important to mention that negative words are also powerful, right? Now, I mentioned that, that positive words are very powerful, but negative words are also very powerful. Actually, negative words are more powerful than positive words. Unfortunately, we all have a negativity bias. We are affected more by negative words than we are by positive words. And negative words cause the endocrine system to release cortisol, which I already mentioned is the stress hormone. And um, high levels of cortisol uh, produce fatigue, um, irritability, headaches, intestinal problems, depression, anxiety, weight gain, high blood pressure, and a lot of other problems. High, you know, having high levels of cortisol in our system is definitely not good for us. And, and negative self-talk actually has been found to be associated with increased anxiety in children. And I dare to say that it, it is also associated with increased anxiety in, in, in everybody, of, you know, no matter what age. Um, so, so negative words affect our physical, mental, and emotional health. Um, they can really screw up <laughs> our self-concept. You know, in summary, words can definitely do us good. But words can also do us very, very bad. You know, so words play a role in how we perceive ourselves and our environment and how we experience and confront life. Uh, as the philosopher, his name is Wittgenstein, said, you know, the limits of my language are the limits of my world. 
the limits of my language are the limits of my world. So, so what do you think about words? Do you think they're important? Do words really matter? Can words actually influence the quality of our life? Can words benefit or hurt us? Or are they just words and, and nothing more? You know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words shall never hurt me. What do you think? Are words harmless? On one hand, we have our, our, our self-talk or our internal dialogue. We, you know, we are constantly talking to ourselves. You know, as, as long as you don't talk back, <laughs> you're fine. And, and, and these words, the, these are the words that we use to describe ourselves and our situations and the words that we use to describe ourselves in a given situation. And many times we limit ourselves with our language, you know, with the words we decide to use. <clears throat> one, one phrase that limits us and creates dissatisfaction is the phrase, I have to. You know, I have to go to work. I have to go to school. I have to clean the house. I have to wake up early. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I, I recently recorded this somewhere. <laughs> but there are only five things that we have to do and if we don't do them, we die. We have to breathe, obviously. We have to sleep. We have to eat. We have to drink, at least water. And, and we have to go to the bathroom, right? Everything else in life is a choice. It's a preference. You don't have to do it. You decide to do it. So I like to tell people to stop complaining. Think about it. When you use the phrase, I have to, you usually say it in a very, very whiny tone. Oh, I have to go to work. Oh, I have to wake up early. Oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. I promise you, and, and I probably shouldn't be promising anything, but if you stop using that phrase, your mood will change. You will have more energy and you will have more motivation because you're no longer trying to convince yourself that you're a victim. You're no longer trying to convince yourself that you have no choice and that you're obligated to do things. You are now recognizing your freedom, and you are recognizing the power of your decisions. And by the way, complaining is also bad for us. Um, complaining reduces the size of our hippocampus. You know, uh, This is the part of the brain responsible for memory and for the resolution of problems. You know, thinking negatively, thinking negatively makes it easier to think negatively. <laughs> the more negative my thoughts are, the more negative my, thought, my thoughts are. It's kind of like the negativity muscle, you know. The more I use it, the stronger it gets and the easier it is for me to use it. That's why I say that thinking negatively makes it easier to think negatively. The more negative my thoughts are, the more negative my thoughts are, you know, and my brain, my hippocampus is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. Again, complaining causes the release of cortisol, the stress hormone, and high levels of cortisol causes all kinds of problems like I mentioned before. So, what words do you use to describe yourself? 
What words do you use to describe your situation? Remember, these words have power over you. They can influence the quality of your life. And let me ask you this too. What words do you use when talking to others? Because your words can do good, but your words can also do bad. You know, your words uh, can move others, but can also paralyze them. Your words can motivate, but they can also discourage. They can teach or they can deceive. They can heal or they can sicken. They can create or they can destroy. Your words are powerful. So choose them wisely. And I guess that's the recommendation. You know, um, the words that you use in your self-talk, the words that you use to interact and connect with others are powerful. They can do you good or they can do you bad. They can do others good or, or they can do others bad. So you have to choose your words wisely. I'm not sure if you read the title of this episode correctly, but the title is Tomato, Tomato, Hocus Pocus, and the power of words. Why did I choose that title? First of all, because it sounds really, really cool. Tomato, tomato, hocus pocus, and the power of words. But there's more to it. Tomato, tomato, one word can be uh, pronounced in different ways. One word can describe many different situations. I threw in there hocus pocus because if you're into magic, <laughs> you know that magic doesn't happen without words. You need the right spell, and the spell needs to be said correctly in order for the magic to work, right? Hocus pocus. And this is all about the power of words. Choose your words wisely. Guys, I think this is a good place to end. We've come to the, to the end of another episode of Chronicles of a Psychology Professor. And I'm going to ask you one more thing, because I always do. I always tell you to be good and do good. Again, think about the words that you use. Think about them and choose them wisely. 